Have you ever stared down a mountain too tall to climb? No way to get over no matter how hard you've tried. But somehow the Lord brought you to the other side. Can I get a witness? Have you stood on the banks of the Red Sea wrestling down? Cause it's too far to swim and too wide to get around. But the good Lord brought you through walking on dry ground. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? Can I get a hand raised high? Can I get a witness? Anybody want to testify? If you've cried out for a miracle, and you've seen him do the impossible. Can I get a witness? Are you standing in the fire and the flames won't let you go? But you're still holding on to a single thread of hope. That the Lord can deliver and you won't even smell like smoke. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? Can I get a hand raised high? Can I get a witness? Anybody want to testify? cried out for a miracle and you've seen him do the impossible can I get a witness if you can't stay silent if you can't keep quiet then here's your chance, here's your chance. Can I get a witness? Just go and raise your hand. Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? Can I get a hand raised high? Can I get a witness? Anybody want to testify? If you cried out for a miracle and you've seen him do the impossible, can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? Can I get a Bibles. Turn to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21. Ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21. As we continue our series on amazingly able. Amazingly able. Everybody say amazingly able. 
There you go. Kind of mumble around a little bit, but amazingly able. This week's Thanksgiving. So, we are thankful that we have an amazingly able God. Amen? He is amazingly able. That's a great reason to be thankful. So as we walk through the message today, if you're wanting that thankful kind of a theme to it, just think about, thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you, Lord, for that. So we're going to look at some really cool things today as we talk about Thanksgiving and our amazingly able God. So if you look in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21, and um, see what the Lord has for us there. And now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Well, if he's amazingly able, and he's the one we ought to turn to, whatever our needs or wants are, right? That's what we're going to talk about this morning, is that continually turning to Jesus. Everybody say, turn to Jesus. The unfortunate thing is sometimes we turn somewhere else, right? I was reading about one guy, he said that uh, when his kids were small, he had three children. When his kids were small, he had a, a little boy named Trey. Trey was their crawler, uh, always crawling, getting places, and said one day he looked, and the, the door that went out to the garage was a little bit cracked open, couldn't find Trey anywhere. It's like, oh no, he's in the garage. And so sure enough, peeked out in the garage, and there's Trey sitting in front of the dog bowl, Alpo from head to foot. <laughs> just slurping up the dog food when he's got all manner of good food in the house and he's got the Alpo thing going. Uh, Their second uh, daughter is Amy. He said Amy was attracted to poison. (laughs) Whatever there was that was poisonous, she was going to drink. So they got to be good friends with the poison control people because you turn your back just for a minute and uh, that's where she went. He said one day his wife was polishing the table and before she knew it, Amy slipped up behind her, got the, the lemon pledge, gulped it down, and uh, it's like, oh, man, I can't believe it. So they called poison. No permanent damage, but she did have lemony fresh breath for about a week or so. And then the last child was Christy. Christy left to go fishing with him. And so he was, she, until she got in her teenage years, and she bailed on the fishing. But he said he was out one day fishing, and they put a big old night crawler on the, on the line, put it out there, and then started walking along the bank, kind of bass fishing a little bit. Christy was small. He left her kind of playing in the dirt. And when he looked back, big night crawler. <laughs> Hanging right out of her mouth. And he didn't want to startle her too much, didn't want to rush her too much. And so he was kind of like, hey, Christy, Christy, just be still. Look at Daddy. And said, you ever seen a kid slip a spaghetti noodle up? Yeah, the night worm, uh, I mean the night crawler, there it went, slurped <laughs> that bad boy right up. And he said that he did tell his wife, her mom, what happened about five years later. <laughs> Got to get amen from all you guys. Uh, the truth is, uh, they, while they were attracted to dog food, poison, and worms, they had a lot better. There was some, they could have turned to their parents and had a whole lot better thing to eat. Now here's the thing for you and I. We, had, we need peace, we need joy, we need purpose in life, meaning in life, we need reason to get out of bed in the morning. We need somebody to meet the needs of our heart, and what we too often do is turn to someone other than Jesus. Other than Jesus. We, we turn to, to other things. We hear a good, I mean, it's just built into our nature. We hear a good joke, we turn to somebody to tell it, right? You have a good meal, you tell somebody, man, that was a good meal. You're confused, you turn to somebody, maybe can help you out a little bit. If you want to get good at something, you might want to look up a coach or a mentor, right? If you're in trouble, you want to turn to somebody you think can help. If you're lonely, 
You turn to somebody you think that cares about you and loves you. And if you want to be entertained, you turn to TV, Netflix, sports, social media, something like that. But here's the thing. Paul, whose life had been radically changed by Jesus, radically changed, just telling the Ephesians that the wisest and the best choice they can make is to continually turn to Jesus continually all through the day when you first get up all through the day continually turn to the one who is amazingly able I was reading a book by a lady named Angelie Pascal and uh, she's a young author and this is what she writes and she by the way she has a master's degree in spiritual formation uh, master's degree in uh, theology from Talbot Seminary this is what she said here's the secret Living your life to the fullest. That's what a lot of people talk about today, right? How to live your life to the fullest. How do you get the most out of your life? How do you live your best life? All these kind of things. He said, in something you do on the outside, in something you do with your body out here, living life to the fullest is a beautiful, wild, risky adventure. Watch this. To stay awake. Everybody say, stay awake. <laughs> stay awake to the loving presence of Jesus on the inside it's a continually turning to jesus staying awake to the presence of god that's all around you so here are four ways to do that here are four ways to turn to jesus watch this as you turn to jesus we say what thank you lord everybody say thank you lord we turn to jesus and say thank you lord. How, what are some encouragements what are some helps to remind us to continually turn to jesus first of all we need to remember our losses in other words remember those times when we did not turn to Jesus, and it didn't go so well. Anybody got a few of those? <laughs> well, Tina talked about, raise your hand if you can testify. I think a lot of us can testify. Hey, I, I turned to the world, or I turned to some bad friendships, or I turned to something else, and it didn't go so well, right? So we need to remember our losses. Paul tries to help the Ephesians to remember this. He writes in Ephesians chapter 2, the first two verses of the New Living Translation. Look at what Paul writes. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins. He sounds like he's been reading our mail, right? Our many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. The commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. What's he saying here? He's saying that before you're a Christian, God says you're dead spiritually. You're alive in your body. You're alive in your soul. Your soul is your mind, emotions, your will. You're dead in your spirit, that part that relates to God. Now, let me ask you something. A dead person can't contribute how much? Nothing. Right? You don't turn to a dead person to learn how to live life. They're dead. They have nothing to offer you. And that's the condition that all of us were in apart from Jesus. In other words, we don't know. And if we knew, we wouldn't be able to live life like it's supposed to be lived apart from Jesus. And Jesus goes even further. They're talking about, Paul's talking about before they're saved. But Jesus goes even further in John chapter 15 when he talks to his disciples, his followers, and he says... I'm the vine, you're the branches, he who abides in me, and I in him, he does what he bears. How much fruit? Much fruit. For without me, you can do how much? Say that one more time. With Christ in control of your life, turning to Jesus first and often, man, you can bear much fruit. Be a lot of fruit in your life. On the flip side, if you don't turn to me, said nothing of any kind of, 
impact's going to happen. How many of us know that, right? We've seen that. We've experienced that. If we turn to ourselves, we know. We can look at our past and say, you know, when I turn to myself, I argued too much. <laughs> I said too much. I failed too much. I talked too much. I lost my temper too much. I've been quiet. See, sometimes we've been quiet. We ought to speak up, right? I've been quiet too much. I've hurt people too much. And if you're not careful, you get sucked in because our culture says what? Man, just follow your heart. Follow your passion. Listen to your gut. Now, guys, that is not what Scripture says. We're not to trust our gut. We're not to trust our heart. We're to trust Jesus. We're to follow Christ. Not our heart, not our passion, not our gut. No, we follow Christ. Aren't you glad that Jesus offers you, the one who is amazingly able, offers you the opportunity to follow him? Don't put too much stock into what you think will make you happy. Don't put too much stock into what you think looks best, sounds best, will be best, especially if it doesn't line up with what God said. Uh, another place I used to live, I had a house, got a chance to choose the color on the house, and um, um, chose Dusty Rose, Dusty Rose. There was another couple moved down a little bit about a year or two later, and uh, they chose deep purple. <laughs> I mean, bold purple. And uh, got a chance to know the couple. They started going to church with us, and they're just a lovely, beautiful couple. And one day he said, can I ask you something? I said, yeah. He said, what color is your house? I said, well, it's Dusty Rose is the name of the color. He said, oh. I said, why? He said, my wife and I wanted to paint our house the same color as your house. And we looked at your house and went to the paint store. We looked at those paint swatches. And we got that. <laughs> he pointed to his house. Wasn't even in the ballpark, y'all. We close. I said, dude, man. I said, I wish you would have asked. Because I've got, not that I could match it up. But I said, the paint people gave me the color. I've got the color written down. i got the paint company and the color of that particular paint. If you'd have come to me, I could have given it to you. You could have went to the creator of that paint color, and he could have got it just right for you. Look, don't look around the world trying to match your life up when you think it's going to be happy. Go to the creator. The one who created you and knows how, knows how you are work, you're going to work best. The one who created me. The one who created the world in which we live in. Remember how much we can goof it up and we need to turn, what, to Jesus, right? Look at uh, number two. Second thing is we need to realize our limits. First of all, he's amazingly able. He can do anything he wants to do. He can handle anything we have. We need to remember those times when we turned away. Secondly, we need to remember our limits. And what I mean is this. If we don't turn to Jesus, we're turning somewhere, aren't we? We turn to ourselves. We turn to our family. We might turn to our friends. We might turn to social media. We might turn to Netflix or some other TV, movie, streaming device. We might turn to athletics. We might turn to alcohol or drug abuse. We might turn to sports. We might turn to a hobby. We might turn to food, something like that. Now, here's the thing. Most of those are okay used the way God wants you to be used. Now, some of them you should never turn to. Alcohol, drugs, things like that you should never turn to, right? But, I mean, God gave you family, uh, to be a part of, to belong in, to, and to receive love and give love in. God gave you friends to help you and encourage you to minister to you at certain times. Social media can be good when it's social. 
<laughs> Too many people use social media to be unsocial, right? But if you use social media to honor Jesus, that's good. Hobbies are good. Everybody needs a hobby to kind of relax and refresh. What I would ask you is, is your hobby relax you and refresh you? Does it remind you of Jesus in any way or does it draw you away from Jesus? Here's the thing. Our, our, everything apart from Jesus has limits. Now, like I said, sometimes your family, your friends, a hobby, things like that, sometimes those are gifts of God. But they all got their limits, guys. You turn to your family, and as much as family loves you, your family can't always be there. There are times when you face things at school, times you face things at the job, times you face things in life that your mom and daddy just can't come get you out of, Right? And parents, we know that because the first time your child drives out of the driveway and you see those brake lights click off and they've got their driver's license and they're driving, man, your prayer life ramps up, doesn't it? You're like, man, I want to protect them. I want to, I want to put a bubble around their car. But you can't. We all, your friends can't always be there. They don't always know what to tell. It could be a great gift. But there's a limit to how much your friends, how much your family can do for you. Social media is not, I mean... I want to encourage you to learn to turn to Jesus first. Everybody say first. I challenge you, don't turn to social media first thing in the morning. I mean, study after study after study, link social media, especially a lot of use of that, to depression and anxiety. Turn to Jesus first thing in the morning. Even if you don't have your quiet time first thing, turn to Jesus first thing. And just offer him your day. Offer him your love. Offer him your praise. Man, listen, guys, we need to learn to turn to Jesus. So here's your weekly growth suggestion. See how many times a day you can turn to Jesus this week. How many times a day can you turn to Jesus before anything or anybody else each day? And I encourage you to continue memorizing Ephesians 3, uh, 20 to 21. Uh, keep working on that. Meditate on it. Think about it. Roll that thing around in your mind. Because here's the thing. The more we turn to Jesus, the more we receive the one who is amazingly Abel. There's a guy named Fenelon, lived in 1651 to 1715. Here's what he said when we don't turn to Jesus often. He said, you find that it will be pleasant. He's pretending now. You pretend, you think you're going to find it to be pleasant to be divided between God and the world. In other words, I'm going to turn to Jesus some, but I'm going to turn to the world as well. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of straddle the fence on this thing here. To be carried away constantly by passion, the lust of the flesh, in a way that's not pleasing to God. And at the same time, to be torn by reproaches of conscience. He's saying, I, I, I want to live out in the world some, and I feel like, you know, that's going to give me happiness. But if you're a Christian, you're going to be convicted by the Holy Spirit. It's going to be in there working in your life. And so he says, not to enjoy any pleasure without bitterness and to always be pulled two ways. What's he saying? He's saying, if you don't turn to Jesus first and often, you're going to do things you regret. You're going to do things the Holy Spirit convicts you of. You're going to do things that you wish you hadn't done. And he said, that's no way to live, being torn two different places all the time. So what do we want to do? Number three, we want to recognize our Lord. Recognize our Lord. We want to recognize Christ as the amazingly able one and thank him that right here I can turn to him. I was listening to a guy interview Willie Robertson. Some of you know who Willie Robertson is. He's with the Duck Dynasty guys. And so they were up around St. Louis somewhere. Now this guy was interviewing uh, Willie and talking to him. And he said that, I uh, said, man, I had an interesting thing happen not too far from here. I was hunting up in, here, in this area. And he said, I walked into a store and this lady looked at me and she said, 
you look like one of those Duck Dynasty guys. He said, really? She said, you look just like one of them. He said, which one do I look like? She said, you look like Willie. He said, really? He said, yeah. She said, as a matter of fact, I know Willie. Personal friends with Willie Robertson. He said, you are? She said, I am. He said, we're, we're, we're friends with each other. He said, well, what kind of person is it? You don't get this opportunity every day, do you? <laughs> so what kind of person is he? She said, well, he's a, he's a really good guy. He's a real down-to-earth, easy-going guy. Really, uh, I really like him. I have a, a whole lot of respect for him. He said, well, that's good to know, and he left. And don't you know, that lady went home that night, told her husband, man, I met the guy who looked just like Willie Robertson today. Just like him. What, what I want to say is, we need to recognize Jesus. It's the one we need to turn to. We don't need to turn to something or somebody else. We need to turn first and foremost to Jesus. Receive his gifts like family, friends, hobbies. Receive his gifts, but to turn to him, to, to, to focus our attention on him. I know of a pastor that used to pastor in Atlanta, and he said one of the things they used to do was go out on the street and do the, um, you know, on the street interviews with people as a church to help, in, help with their ideas in church. So one, of the, one day they went out with a film crew, and they asked people this question. Who said, you must be born again? So man, they got all kind of answers. Said so one guy was very confident. Said, who said we must be born again? He said, oh, Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> it wasn't Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> okay. It wasn't Thomas Jefferson. Somebody else said, so they got actors, actresses, athletes, got all these things. One person uh, got kind of close. He got into the, uh, at least he got into the, the scriptural part of it. He, and he said, um, Moses. <laughs> no, 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 no. Jesus. Recognize born again is what? Give life. Give life. Sustain life. Eternal life. Uh, everlasting life. That kind of life. Jesus gives life. When I was at the Cove last time, I was listening. I was sitting at a table with some guys. This is the Billy Graham Training Center. I was just sitting at tables with people, other people who were there for the retreat. And I heard a story, and I hear one of these stories fairly often when I go up there. And this person was talking, and I don't remember they talked about themselves or a friend of theirs. But they said that their life had just fallen apart, turned to the wrong places, right? Turned too many wrong places. And said their life had just really fallen apart. And they got to the place where they were going to take their own life. And so they went in the other room to, to get the gun out and, and that kind of thing. And so they heard a voice from the TV. And they listened a minute. And the voice was offered love. It was offered hope. And it was the Billy Graham crusade. Just so happened, right? <laughs> Just so happened to be on at that minute. And that person laid the gun down, went there, watched TV. And instead of taking their life, they received eternal life by giving their life to the Lord of life. Who can do something like that? Christ can. The amazingly able one. I mean, who but God can take one of the world's greatest most horrific instruments of death and turn it into an instrument of life. That's the able God that you have. The cross was a horrible thing. You never saw somebody wear a cross on jewelry, wear a cross on a ring, or put a cross on a building. I mean, we do it because we know it's a symbol of life to us. But in that day, it was a symbol of the most horrific death they knew anything about. And yet Christ, 
Christ says, don't, don't cling to this world. It's got the seeds of death in it. Don't cling to, this will make me happy. I know it's against God's word, but this will make me happy. Angelie Pascal said, when anxiety about tomorrow's uncertainty creeps in, you can make an intentional choice to include Jesus. Everybody say, include Jesus. In everything you envision. She writes, watch this, see if this sounds real. When I imagine a break-in, break-up, break-down, Jesus is there. When I imagine disappointing my husband, Jesus is there too. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Remember when Jesus' disciples are walking along and they've got to argue about who was the greatest? Y'all remember that? Matthew chapter 18, verse 1, New International Version. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Mark 9, same situation. Watch what happens just before they ask him that. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? And when Jesus asked you that, it's tough, isn't it? Kind of had to come clean because he already knows. But they kept quiet because on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest. So here's the thing, guys. Think about this. They had just come off the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw Moses and Elijah come down, talk with Jesus. His face became dazzling white. Clothes became whiter. Face shining like the sun. Clothes whiter than any whiteness they'd ever seen in their life. And the great voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. And they come off of that mountain. And the first thing they hit is a dad with a demon-possessed boy. And he's asking the disciples to cast it out. Anybody remember what happened? They couldn't do it. Losses. Couldn't, do, couldn't, couldn't manage it. Couldn't, couldn't live up. Now, he's just been glorified in front of them. They can't cast it out. Jesus casts it out. Now they're arguing about who's the greatest. You'd think one of them would have said, y'all know it's Jesus, right? <laughs> Why didn't he occur? <laughs> Doesn't seem like he occurred to anybody. Seems like they're all arguing about themselves. And if we're not careful, that's what we do. We'll turn Everywhere else, and look to somebody else besides Jesus. Turn to him first of all, right? First of all, do we think of Jesus often and first? And last of all, not only do we want to recognize our Lord, we want to relate to him, talk to him, express our heart to him. That's one reason why I asked you this morning as we started out to say, check in with yourself and say, I am what? Because we all live, the last two Sundays we've talked about, we all live with a that, that thing in our life, and we all live in a now. What we need to do is remember, with our that and in our now, to turn to Jesus. To relate to him. To imagine Jesus right here with his hand out saying, take my hand. Let me show you how to walk through this situation. Relate to me. Don't just learn about me. Don't just know fact. Relate. Talk to me. See, what we tend to do with our that's and now's, if we're not careful, is to say something like, can you believe this? This is so hard. I can't believe i got to go through this. I need you right here. And here's the good news. Every that in your life, every now in your life, Jesus is Lord over all of that. And if we will relate to him, watch this, if we will relate to him, surrender, follow, believe, trust, Jesus will change and transform our lives. Think about this. I read this this last week. If we've been transformed by a loving God, shouldn't we become more loving? If we've experienced forgiveness, shouldn't we become more forgiving? 
if we belong to the one who is good and beautiful and true, shouldn't this reflect something about the way that we live? John Ortberg wrote it this way. Take any person you know whose knowledge of the Bible is, say, ten times greater than that of the average unchurched person. Then ask yourself, is this person ten times more loving, ten times more patient, ten times more joyful than the average unchurched person? You see, relating to Jesus is not just learning. It's becoming, surrendering, inviting him in, and then as best we know, following what he says and letting him make us kinder. Why? Because he's kind. Make us forgiving. Why? He's forgiving. Make us more loving. Why? Because he is more loving. Listen, guys, Jesus is unlike anybody you've ever met. He chose to die for those who killed him. Can you imagine that? Dying. Some of y'all studied the Sunday school this morning. They hollered out, hey, if you're the son of God, come down from the cross. And he's like, I just don't imagine Jesus saying, I'm dying for you. Your eternity disappears if I come down from the cross. Got to turn to Jesus, guys. I was, I'm reading a book right now by a guy named Christopher Hall. Christopher was born around 1950. And uh, he's uh, influenced a lot of people, uh, written books and, and lectures and taught and things like that. And, and Christopher said that when he was young, he was really attracted to violence, darkness, just really, really kind of that way. And his parents noticed him, you know, anytime uh, they would play kind of, kind of war game or something like that, he always picked the bad guys, always wanted to be the bad guys, you know. It just sensed this thing going that way. And he said when he went to college, there was a, he had an uncle, Uncle Bob and Aunt Ern, E-R-N, his, his aunt, not mine. And he said they were beautiful, beautiful Christian people. And um, he said the only time he felt, he said it just felt like he lived in darkness, just attracted to darkness, darkness surrounding. He said, the only time I felt like the darkness was being pushed back a little bit was when I was in Uncle Bob's house. And he said, Uncle Bob had no idea how closely I was watching him. Because there was something different about Uncle Bob and Aunt Ern. They, they had a peace, they had a love, and, and he said he would show up unexpectedly. wouldn't call it just show up unexpectedly. Can I stay with y'all? Like, sure, come on in. And so he'd come in, always had a spare room. And he said a lot of times, he said, I'd just go in that room, put my headphones on, play my songs, and just hunker down in that, in that spare bedroom. Rude, you know, not, not talking to him, that kind of thing. He would show up when meals were served. <laughs> come out of the room when meals were served. And he said often, he said, I'd just argue. Just argue with Uncle Bob. If Christians believe what they say they believe about Jesus, they should live differently. Why do they live that way if they say what they believe what they believe about Christ? And, and what about? And how come? And, and all these objections and all these reasons why God doesn't exist and all this anger spewing out of him. And he said, Uncle Bob, he said he just, he never got mad at me, never lost his temper with me. He said he just listened, talked, offered ideas, offered truth. He just sometimes, uh, it's humorous in humorous ways. And he said, Uncle Bob gave him a New Testament. No, he had no inclination that this guy's interested in, in Scripture at all. But he gave him a New Testament. And he said, through my college years, he said, I begin to see the emptiness of life apart from God. I begin to see the emptiness of the direction I was going, living for pleasure, living for happiness, living for people like me. And he said, it was primarily through the witness of my Uncle Bob 
who turned to Jesus often. Don't you know, here's this smart aleck nephew of yours. Come in your house, eat your food, hang out in the room, and then he comes down for lunch to argue with you about the most important thing in your life. And he said, it was through the influence of Uncle Bob that I finally decided to turn to Jesus and surrender my life to him. Hey, the best thing in the world you can do is turn to Jesus and live your life in a way that will influence somebody else to see how beautiful Jesus is of them to turn their, turn their life to Jesus as well. Would you stand please with heads bowed and eyes closed? With heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. Christopher wrote, my uncle's generosity, love, and acceptance created in me a deep desire to find a different way. He said his Uncle Bob was far from perfect, but his life was attractive, compelling, and he said I would even say his life was beautiful. So this morning I ask you, how would you complete I am? And to invite an amazingly able Jesus in the middle of that. Remember your losses. Hey, we, we need to have a healthy distrust of what we can do at our own. To recognize the limits. There's only so much other people and things can do for us. And to recognize that Jesus is the answer for our I am today. And then to relate to him. Lord, would you come right here? Would you meet me right here? Lord, I'll obey. I want to trust, but I want you, please, to meet me right here. With heads bowed and eyes closed we prepare for Thanksgiving week, I would encourage you, turn to Jesus often this week and say thank you that you are amazingly able. Thank you. I invite you into this and I thank you ahead of time that you are amazingly able. Father, in Jesus' name I pray every person here today that you would step in to their now and to their that. God, that we would all open ourselves to you, invite you in, welcome you into all the recesses of our heart, all the dark corners of our minds. And Lord, let you transform us. You're able, God. God, we have testimony of millions and millions and millions of people that say that you broke their addictions and you forgave their sins and you put their family back together and you gave peace in a horrible time in their life. God, only you can do that. And we've got miracle after miracle, testimony after testimony of how you do that. Lord, would you do that in our hearts this morning? Lisa begins to play softly today.